Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on identifying your values. Today's episode was inspired by a voice memo I received following my ask about lessons learned from Edit Your Life. Susan gave me permission to share this message on the air. Hi, Christine. This is Susan from North Carolina. One thing I have learned from you and your podcast is the power and permission to take a break. I have a full-time job and am an author and podcaster on the side. Sometimes I feel like I just keep piling on with no break. Although I coach about sustainable productivity, it took realizing you set aside a break in recording recently to allow myself to set aside some side hustle things, just kind of let things slide a little bit while I traveled to the West Coast for my day job. And everything turned out okay, and I felt a little more rested. So thank you for being a great example. I love the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to record and share that voice memo, Susan. I'm so overjoyed that the episode on intentional pauses helped give you the permission to do the same. And I will link up this episode in the show notes for anybody else who needs a little encouragement in this department. I kind of feel like that would be all of us. We all need encouragement and reminders that pausing with intention is a really important part of editing your life. An important call out from Susan's note is that she realized that yes, the world keeps spinning. We don't need to do it all. It's such an important lesson and one that warrants repeat reminders, especially when you feel like you need to take control of all the things. I was also thinking that this note connects directly to an episode from the early Edit Your Life archives called Letting Go of the Hero Role. That episode was inspired by a listener letter from a mom who realized that jumping into the rescue all the time, specifically in this instance in parenting situations, doesn't help other people figure things out. It's 100% related to the idea that the show can go on without you, 
or the world will not fall apart. And it's great when these things happen. This conversation is also related to various Edit Your Life content on chores and life skills and teaching kids all the things in the sense that if you insist on doing all the things because you need to do them a certain way, the burden of chores will forever be on you. And this thinking applies not just to chores, but just to everyday life things. I'm so excited to revisit this conversation and bring it out of the archives And I apologize that the sound quality isn't amazing. It was early in Asha and my podcasting journey, but the messages still ring loud and clear. We'll be right back. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com edit for 25% off. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. We are shaking things up a little bit, inspired by a really amazing listener letter. Well, yes. And the fact is that, you know, these letters that we get from listeners, I mean, they just make our day anyway. But this particular letter really made us stop and just, you know, breathe and think for a little bit because it really uncovered a tricky dynamic for parents in particular who are trying to build self-care into their lives. And that is the fact that one person in the family usually fills the role of family problem solver. You know, that that sort of go-to person like, where's the, you know, I can't find my lunchbox or, you know, whatever. That person that just sort of solves, smooths the little bumps in the road that seem to happen with families. And when that person's unavailable, because they are taking care of themselves, things get complicated. Mm-hmm. And so we just wanted, we thought it would be a great thing to explore this dynamic a little bit, talk about it a little more. 
Yes. So I'm actually going to read the listener letter. I did get consent from her to do this. And then we're going to use it as a jumping off point for discussion. And I'm just really excited about this. It really, really got our wheels turning. Okay. So Asha, are you ready? Are you ready to hear the letter again? I'm, I'm ready. Okay. Go for it. Hi, Asha and Christine. Thank you so much for your episode of the Edit Your Life show about self-care. I realized last weekend just how much my self-care is dependent upon how I think others will feel about me getting it. Let me explain. I'm very pregnant, like do any day, and as uncomfortable as I am, I realize how much easier it is to be a very pregnant mother than a mother of a newborn. This isn't my first kid, so when I was sleepless on Sunday morning, I got myself dressed, put some makeup on, left a note for my husband, and headed out of the house at 6 a.m., I spent the quiet morning at the beach reading a book, then a latte at a coffee shop while I penned a letter to my new baby. As I was sipping my latte, I got a text from my husband letting me know that our son was very upset that I wasn't there when he woke up. I immediately got an image in my head of my son's distressed face, inconsolable tears, and my husband's anxious attempts to calm him. My stress level spiked. But then I asked myself, why should I feel guilty? I'm with my son almost 24-7. I've actually handled almost the exact situation. They can manage. I can enjoy my coffee. I realized that by constantly being available to fix things or be the hero for my family, I'm also depriving them of the opportunity to develop their own coping skills and ways of managing together. My virtue as a mother does not equate to my availability for my family every minute of the day. I can take some time to recharge my own batteries and be my own person, and I'm likely to be a lot more fun to be around when I do that than if I focus on others' needs first all the time. So in the moment, I may get frantic texts or phone calls sent like distress signals, but as long as no one is heading to the hospital, I can let them deal with that discomfort. Just because things aren't as easy for them when I'm out of the house doesn't mean it's any less right or necessary for me to take time for myself. Love your show. Thanks for the encouragement. Who boy, Asha, there's so much in this letter. Let's discuss. I'd love your, your first impressions there. Okay. Well, my first impression is, first of all, I would like to be friends with this person because, <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know, there's there's just such um, wisdom in her letter. And um, I feel like she hit upon something that took me years to figure out. And anyway, I just, I, I was very inspired by reading it. Um, but there was one line that really hit me over the head. Um, and that was when she basically discovered that her self-care, well, just that it was dependent upon how she thought others would feel about her getting it. And so she she basically uncovered this. It was almost like a sneaky little script playing in her head that said that, you know, self-care is fine as long as it works for everyone else, as long as it fits everyone else's schedule and expectations. And, you know, boom, you know, mm-hmm. that just brought me right back because, when my son was little, I had a, we had a similar dynamic in that, um, you know, the, there was a time when he only wanted me. And whenever I was unavailable, I knew that he would be in anguish. And so taking time for myself was a very clear and direct statement to me that, like, okay, it's going to be hard for you. I'm out of here. And it just felt terrible to do that when I was a new parent. You know, it was like I was saying my needs were more important than his. And as a new parent, that went against something sort of primal for me, mm-hmm. even though um, obviously it's not that clear cut, you know, but yet I remember that. I remember how, how difficult that negotiating that feeling was. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's... 
it's just it's it's like the newborn experience. Well, it's not. I was going to say it's the newborn experience, but it's it's like the early parenting experience to feel that push and pull. Um, and I, yeah, I was really really impressed with that. I I will say also I. I love her self-care ritual of beach book coffee and, oh, and penning a letter to her new baby. I was like, I, yeah, you're right. I, I want to be friends with this woman too. And <laughs> I, I will say, because these sort of things um, impress me, I was impressed that she was out of the house in makeup by 6am. <laughs> <laughs> but, but more seriously, um, I thought it was pretty amazing that in the face of that, the text from her husband, she had the, the presence of mind to reflect and adjust course instead of doing the knee jerk response, which is to swoop in and fix the situation, which is something I think many of us would just jump in and do, right? Sure, sure. Well, not only would many of us jump in and do it, I think for many of us, our partner would expect that many of us would do it. And, uh, I know. So that was, that was interesting. So when my kids are little, um, so interesting, I'm really looking back into my memory for when I'm recalling these feelings. Um, but it took a long time to work past that immediate need to fix things. Um, and it took a ton of communication with my husband about how to share that role of Mm -hmm. family problem solver, meaning that, um, you know, I sort of naturally had more skills in that area of like emotion management than he did, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it was very interesting because so he would default to me to, you know, fix these sorts of problems. And so, you know, it took a long time for us to figure out that when I would, leave for some self-care or whatever, I needed for him to not get in touch with me and not ping me unless there was literally a hospital level problem. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I would default to that role so quickly that I don't think I could adjust course like she did if I received a text like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that took time, you know, because it's sort of like you we you need to figure out how to be there for each other as co-parents without also um, hijacking each other's time. And that, you know, that is a, that's a subtle, subtle bit of negotiation and communication between partners. Yeah, I think that's key. Um, the, the communication element and, and it, and it's going to take some stumbling around too, because yeah, I mean, this, this is making me think, um, I don't think this was so much the case with Laurel, but, uh, especially when Vi was a baby, I was on the road traveling like pretty soon after she was born. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and have continued to travel. So it has taken John and me quite a lot of figuring out to figure out what our level of communication should be when I'm on the road. And actually, it turns yeah. out that it's almost nothing like it's it's actually right. easier if I'm not checking in because it's almost I think it might almost feel like if I'm checking in, it's like, OK, are you handling it? Can you handle it? You know, <laughs> and um, and then it also disrupts, you know, their rhythm and whatever. So we've actually found that it's it's really easier unless the kids really want it for me to not be in touch at all, which right. sounds a little weird. But no, it doesn't sound weird at all. We actually when there was a time in my husband's job where he traveled a lot and we sort of uh, decided that as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, there were when when the kids were little, there were periods of time where I was incessantly texting and we sort of came to the point where we realized that I wasn't just incessantly texting because I needed his actual input and help. It was because I needed an outlet for the fact that I was so frustrated mm-hmm. and um, and I sort of resented him because mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, off 
you know, it's so unfair to say this, but I felt like, you know, he gets to stay in a hotel at night. He gets to talk with adults during the day. And there was a little passive aggressiveness on my side, which I didn't even, honestly, I didn't realize. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, okay. So you can imagine that, that when we work through that particular dynamic, it's not like it was resolved with one conversation. This took years to figure out. So when we're talking about stumbling around a bit, we're talking about like possibly years of stumbling (laughs) around. And I I mean, I think that's just the reality. And certain, certain dynamics have a much wider trajectory mm-hmm. that to work out. And, and that's just, it's like that in parenting too. Yeah. But and I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. And I want to want to emphasize that once you do sort of figure it out, Oh man, it is so gratifying and things yeah. are so much easier. Like it's, right. it's such a beautiful thing now to be at a point after many years of struggle <laughs> where we, John and I've really figured out this whole, like, the, the travel thing and the communication thing and how, right. to, how to approach it. I mean, you know how much we, how hard it was for me and um, it's, sure. it's just so much better now. So yeah. Yeah. Stick, stick with it listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep well, talking. And the other thing, um, you know, that's so beautiful. I think about this letter is that by holding back, she really demonstrated trust in her husband not mm-hmm. only to handle the situation, you know, the actual like what to do in the situation, but all the emotions that came along with it, you know, so he can handle he can handle the child's distress, he can handle his own stress, like she is basically by hanging back, you know, presumably they've communicated about it. But she's basically saying to you, I know you've got this, you've got this, I trust you. And I, I know you'll make the right choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is actually a show of love. And um, even though it doesn't feel great at the time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It yeah. just doesn't. And and I think the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, that that role of family problem solver, you know, sometimes, you know, there is a gender piece here. You know, if we're talking about, you know, uh, a man and a woman, I mean, sometimes, you know, the that emotional problem solver role does split down a traditional gender line. But obviously, that's not always the case. First mm-hmm. of all, everybody's different. And second of all, not all families are structured this way. So, you know. It's not always that way, but it, it, it does often, you know, sort of there's a natural division of labor between two partners where one person, you know, we all play to our strengths and that's good. But yeah. I just think we have to, you know, make sure that there's room for everyone to stretch as well. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? 
This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah, and I want to, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you're you're um, hitting the emotional sort of um, problem-solving angle here, and I, I do want to talk about the practical um, also Ooh. because it's so important and it's such a it's such a pain point for a lot of couples I know. Um, yes, and I will say that um, when I when I was little, I remember distinctly. And I mean, if you're if you're breastfeeding, and I was pumping, and so I was managing the bottles, like I they were there, and I had my rotation system and whatever. But I came to a point because I was traveling and I was putting together this ridiculous um, run of show slash how to slash document, whatever. It was it was just so ridiculous. And I realized that by virtue of handling all the prep for all this stuff and, and make, you know, baby food and all the whatever, it was sort of a double disservice because not only did it add more responsibility to my plate, but it made my travel more stressful because, you know, John didn't know what the routine was. He had to, so on top of all the other logistics, he had to sort of read, or maybe he didn't read, which is fine. um, This ridiculous document I was putting together. And so I kind of realized that was a real turning point for me where I realized I don't want to be responsible for all this stuff. I, you know, I have to like involve him and I have to step back and not do all the things, you know? Yeah, the whole like, you know, we get a secret charge or thrill out of, you know, sort of having expertise and mastery in a certain area that our partner doesn't. And I'm not saying you did. I'm saying it was, an, you know, that was a natural part of just an outgrowth of, of nursing is mm-hmm. to just handle all that and to come up with your own system. But you're right. It's like, um, you know, when you're the only person who can do it, like the other person can't help you. So, yeah, it just it just makes so much sense to be able to share those practical logistical details and 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 leave room for the fact that each person might do it a little bit differently you know and i think actually you know now that you say that 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 actually also gives kids a chance to be flexible you know because mm-hmm. if you think about it it's like well mom doesn't do it this way that's good that's good for them to experience two different ways of you know getting ready in the morning two different ways of you know dinner dad cooks a different dinner than mom cooks or mm-hmm. or whatever um these, these are all good, good exercises in flexibility for everybody. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this very point actually comes up a lot, um, just in general conversation, but also when I'm on the speaking circuit, um, this specific issue about, um, I'll have a lot of, you know, parents come to me and say, and, you know, I will say it's, it's usually women. Like actually I have a one good friend who she is on her husband's back all the time about how to fold the laundry. And I'm kind of like, who cares how to fold the laundry? The laundry is getting folded. Like I don't even fold it. But, um, you know, I, I really try to emphasize 
to parents when I'm talking to them, there's more than one way from point A to point B. And that is okay. You know, Mm -hmm. your, your partner may have a different way of doing things and it may not be the way that you do it, but it's getting done and you're not having to do that. So just, just embrace that. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, that totally reminds me of our episode on giving kids chores because mm-hmm. kids don't do things the way we want them to do them, yeah. you know? And it's funny, like start somewhere, you know, it just, you never know. Like my husband, he often, uh, will reveal a way of doing something that I've never even thought of. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh wow. That's actually really smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think another important point she made in her letter was, you know, the sort of okayness of letting her kids experience this discomfort of her absence. Um, mm-hmm. That really was, that one just sort of got me right in the gut because I remember that feeling. And because the fact is in the moment, it totally feels like crap. I mean, it feels terrible when you really are knowing that something that you're doing is going to make things um, difficult for your kid. But she was able to step back and realize that she was giving her kids a chance to learn. And, you know, that learning through discomfort is, you know, is different than sort of leaving your kid to just struggle. She I think she very well understood that, you know, they were in a safe place to do it. They were supported um, and it's OK for them to learn. And that's just like level up in parenting. Right. Mm-hmm. There. That was just incredible. And I think it's. It, it, it bears saying that as the parent of older kids now, what she's doing is really the first step at the beginning of a long process that you do all the way until they move out. I mean, that sort of gentle and gradual and level loving stepping away so they can find their feet. I mean, this really is the work of parenting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everyone, but it's so important and it's just ultimately the most confidence building thing you can do for a kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, I think I've said this on a previous episode, but there really is this thing about in modern parenting about not wanting our kids to experience discomfort. I mean, it's, it's amazing how, how present that is. And it comes from a really good place and a place of good intentions and love, um, but it is unintentionally creating this sort of codependent situation or this um, scenario where your kids are not learning to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of searching for the word, but they're not learning to cope with things, you know, and, and the mm-hmm. world is going to have a lot of discomfort, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't mean to sound like back in the day, but it's true. And yeah. the more uh, resilience, that's what I was looking for. Um, the more, you know, your, your kids can explore discomfort and figure out how to get out of it and how to resolve it in a safe space. Like that's great for them. That is such a gift. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, if, if you have muscles you don't use, they, they atrophy. It's, it's, this is that resilience muscle and, um, kids have them, um, but, but they need to be able to use them to find them. And, um, this just popped into my head just now. I have to share this anecdote, which isn't totally related, but it, it brings this up for me because I saw something really special happen. And that was, um, I am now teaching my son to drive. As oh, in, OMG. Oh. Yes. Okay, seriously, there is a connection here. Like he sat in the driver's seat yesterday. I sat in the passenger seat. He was operating the car while operating I was in the, the vehicle. Did you cry? I might have cried. Or did you? No. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No, I can't I, even. 
I'm I'm actually quite proud of myself because I was just like, hey, it's cool, it's cool. Okay, now you do this. I was I was mellow. Well, I th- I don't think he noticed though that I was gripping the handrest. <laughs> Did you wish you had the driver's ed brake so you could go? Arr, arr, arr. I think I actually think so. Here's my point. I think he wished I had the driver's ed brake. Oh. And so what was so, you know, he's a very responsible and cautious guy. So it's not like he was going to suddenly peel out or anything. Um, But literally, we're right at the beginning of this process. And I think the thing that was so wonderful for me once it was done, so we just literally just, you know, the car was parked by the curb. We drove it around the block a few times. So he's learning just how to, you know, that give and take of the steering wheel, how hard to push the brake, this really basic stuff. And, you know, every time a car would come the opposite direction, he'd be like, okay, there's a car, there's a car, what do I do? I'm like, just just slow down, it's okay. You know, and anyway, it was this great experience, right? And, uh, you know, he comes back in, and the first time he tries to pull into the curb, he totally bumps the curb. And so, like, the car goes ba-boom, and he was just like, oh, no, oh, no. Anyway, the point was, it was all fine. And in the end, you know, we parked the car and got out, and he heaved the sigh of relief, because it's really stressful yeah, when you're first Yeah, of course. And after that, my son, who really doesn't, you know, he plays it pretty close to the vest about being excited and enthusiastic about things, because he's just sort of like, it's cool. It's cool. He, he doesn't generally give us as his parents the satisfaction of hearing him get really excited about things. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, man, that was great. And he goes and tells his sister, like, guess what? I parked the car and I actually parked it right. And, da, da, da. and like I saw this huge explosion of excitement and confidence. And it was all because he had to rely on himself in a way that like I couldn't help him. Mm-hmm. I could not take over for him. I could not push the brake for him. He had to do it. And he knew it. And I feel like there was just no other way for him to feel that sort of a long story for me to tell you that it was a long, uh, that this burst of confidence I saw in him, it was specifically because he could only do it by himself. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, it's so obvious at this stage where I am because my kids are older, but when they're younger, it's exactly the same. And And it's like, these are the moments. And it doesn't feel like that because it just feels like, oh, but they're crying and they're upset. But what's really happening is that they're, they're finding their, they're finding their ways. They're starting to feel the edges of themselves. And it's, it's, it's just the best. It really is the best thing. I have a huge smile on my face, just imagining him and you know, the, the pride he must've felt. And it um, was amazing. That's so cool. That is so, so cool. Yeah, it was. It really was. It really, really was. I mean, talk about a metaphor for letting your kid go. Right. Right. Seriously. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 pretty great. It is. Listeners, let me tell you, it is so great having teenagers. So whatever people say about teenagers, I love I love it. Need to know it's it's quite amazing. Anyway, back to the back to our point. I just I just want to I I just want to recognize that what she's doing is as much a gift to her kids and her husband as it is to her. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. So there we go. I didn't. I totally did not think about the connection between this and my son's driving, but there it is. This is what happens. It's great. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. Right. So right. you had and you had some other thoughts about give and take and what she was talking about in this, in this letter, right? Oh, well, you know, it just really is that, you know, back to that whole sort of emotional problem solver thing. And I think, I guess, you know, it's just, 
that whole idea that self-care is necessary and okay, even though it's not easy for everyone. I mean, I think, you know, it's just so important for us to um, really own that as, as I think as women too, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, while she has a husband and I think, the two of us have husbands who support our need to find that space for ourselves. Not everyone does. Not everyone even has a co-partner, you mm-hmm. know? And so that importance of give and take in relationships, sometimes you have to really, you have to claim it for yourself. And our culture just does not, um, it doesn't really support that for moms. It puts moms in this default role of give and, you know, the unspoken sort of message behind that is that it's either them or me, like Mm -hmm. either they're going to get what they need, or I'm going to get what I need. And it's not that simple. It needs to be, they get what they need, and I get what I need. And it might not be everything you need. It might not be at the same right time, but there has to be room in a life for everybody in the family. But we need to actively create that room. Yeah, I I agree. And I think um, there are two the Another kind of related thing is that I think one thing that women in particular in particular wrestle with is um, you know asking for help, and I think that this process of finding that time and um, and communicating about you know what you, what you need and what the two people's roles in a relationship has to be or should be or would feel best as. Um, requires some asking and that's, Mm -hmm. that's challenging. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also wanted to point out because I know I have been guilty of this in the, in the past is that if you're somebody who also expects your partner to mind read a little bit, that makes things very complicated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, just thinking about, well, I really could use this. Why doesn't, you know, he or she, whoever your partner is, um, know that they're not going to always know that you you have to, as you said, you got to make a claim and, and, and ask. It's really important. Right. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Wow, this has just been a great conversation. Um, so I'm I'm so grateful for that letter. I just really I really loved just hearing that experience. It's it's actually really inspiring for me to just even now at this stage, even though I know this stuff, just a reminder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, anyway, listen. So in sort of as we wrap up. Do you feel like you have a next edit for listeners who want to sort of put some of this into practice? I for sure do. And I'm going to hit on the the practical problem-solving side of things. And I uh, recommend that people figure out one or two things, you know, that you tend to be exclusively responsible for. And quite frankly, I'd recommend identifying things that you really don't like doing, but somehow you have assumed full responsibility for. And then figure out a way with your partner to split that job. And, um, you know, the point is to get you on a path where you stop viewing yourself as the only person who can do X, Y, or Z, um, whether it's household minutia or, you know, comforting one of your kids, it's kind of, this will be one of the sort of building blocks to that process. That's great. That's really great. And my next edit is a little more fuzzy, but it's to recognize that negotiating that time and space for self-care, it's it's an ongoing and messy process of trial and error. And to realize that it's not a matter of just one, one conversation. It's totally okay. It's totally okay not to get things right the first time or even every time. But just keep trying. Keep knowing that this is your right to take care of yourself and just remember that your self-care, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Friends, I hope this episode gave you food for thought and inspired you to let go of something. 
You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.